I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. They, they gatekeep knowledge, you know, they're, they're to- total masters of deception. They manipulate everything. You know, these, these pricks at the helm have lied to us. It's... I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. They're, they're setting it up for the Great Deception. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all revolves around the Great Deception. Yeah, right? it, bingo. And L.A. and I talked about that. I said, L.A., is this the Great Deception? And he didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely. I never used to question before, and now I question everything. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. The world needs a wake-up call. Welcome to another Great Deception Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Thanks for joining. I want to start by thanking a few new patrons that we have that have joined. I want to thank Jess. I want to thank Mallory. And I want to thank Jared. Guys, the uh, the support we're getting is great. We had our first uh, Zoom call on Friday. It went really well. Uh, a couple people showed up, stayed on for, for an hour or two, and just chatted. You know, about different things going on now, some of the stuff we're looking into. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So hopefully next month more people hop on. And uh, if you want to get access to all the video from Monday Night Master Debaters and, you know, I'll throw some random books out there and stuff like that on the Patreon, uh, go check it out. Patreon.com slash Great Deception Podcast. And there's a bunch of different tiers out there. Uh, any Any donation is greatly appreciated. And the support is is outstanding, guys. So <clears throat> with that said, we, you know, there's some good work going on out there too. So go check out the guys' podcast that I'm with. You know, Ryan always doing great work, Ron and Buckley over at the Wicked Planet are are killing it as usual. A lot of people have been struggling lately, and uh I feel it. You know, it's been tough to focus, and and that's why. You know, I finally decided I, I got to sit down and just bang this episode out. And this may be uh, a two or three part episode on uh, what we're going to cover. But I, I feel the same thing, man, to sit down and, and gather material. I just I've been it's not like I'm out of it. I just can't focus on one thing. It's like data overload right now. There's like 17 different things I want to look at all at once and. Only got one brain, two eyes, and uh, 24 hours in a day. So we're making the most of it. But it, it's crazy right now. I feel like time's just flying by. Um, my, my son's just starting school. 
and he's in fourth grade. It's like, man, hard to believe this little dude is growing like a weed. And before I know it, off to high school, off to college or whatever he does with himself after high school and boom, life is on. So with that said, let's let's make the most of it. Okay, let's uh, do everything we can to to spread the love and and not the fear and don't buy into the, all the doom and gloom on the news. Look outside, you know, find some good neighbors in your community, make some friends, things like that. It's going to go a long way if it does inevitably hit the fan and you don't want to be caught with your pants down. And if you're listening to this, you should not be. You've been given ample warnings. Um, because we, we've laid out what they've done systematically, um, to our nation, to the world, to the population of humanity. And so in typical parasite fashion, um, I, I found this article on falsehistory.net from, uh, March and it's called the fake history of San Francisco. And San Francisco has always been one of those cities that really, interests me because I, you know, you hear this, I'm an East coast guy. So I never been to California, never seen San Francisco. So I can't say whether any of this is real or not, but what, you know, my understanding of San Francisco was the whole gold rush, right? And that was in the mid 1800s that all these people rushed out there to go find gold. Gold was just in the rivers. It was in the mines. It was everywhere out there. And, uh, you know, I never, I assumed, you know, thinking gold miners and, and what went along out there, you know, the support staff and stores and things like that, that it would be more looking like the old West, you know, like you see on the cartoons, like a saloon type setup, um, wooden facilities, you would see dirt roads for the most part. Um, and Looking at the photos, okay, and that's why I say this may be a multi-part because I have been fascinated by the photos of San Francisco from like early 1800s until early 1900s because it's just an unbelievable transformation. And how did it happen so fast? And that's always my question with this, okay? If it did happen, how did it happen so quickly? You know, where are the manpower? Where's the supplies coming from? I mean, we're talking, we're not just talking about average structures. Was there a template they were working off of to produce these just amazing spectacles? And we're led to believe that these buildings are temporary, that these things are not meant to last, that these are of no significance, which in this world of inversion, you have to start looking at both sides to every story. So for those of you who can't even stomach the idea that, you know, the government might have lied to you and that what you were taught in in history might not be true, you got to move on. Because at this point, we've proven over and over again that we've been lied to. We've been deceived. But this is is along the lines of what we talked about with Chicago. And I've always, in, in researching the old world and Tartaria and all that stuff, I've always been interested in 
these uh, the idea of of these old capital cities, right? I can't fathom the idea that this land was just sparsely populated with nomadic peoples. That nobody set up towns and nobody built all over the world. There's all these amazing architecture. But in North America, aside from the East Coast, maybe we don't have any of it. I just always that never sat well with me. So as we start looking at this, San Francisco is one of those places, right? We're told it's relatively new, 1850s. Before then, it was nothing. And and we're going to look at some pictures. And the pictures are amazing because they contradict themselves, depending on which artist rendition you look at, depending where the source is that the pictures are coming from that it's very interesting. So let's take a look here at the at the fake history of San Francisco. Now, do I believe all this? Let's start out with that caveat. No, I don't believe all of it, but it, it makes some good points. Okay, and, and some of the other articles that fake history has done is A Thousand Years Missing in Naples, The Secret History of Polynesia, and The Fake History of Chicago, which we did um, in the early 20s episodes, I believe. So he says, my curiosity peaked while viewing old photographs of 1877 San Francisco. In school, I learned that this was westernmost frontier, and it had been uh, first populated in the 1850s when men on horses carrying wood carriages behind them first arrived in search of gold. Hollywood movies and school texts depict the San Francisco of the late 1850s, something like this. Now, for those of you listening, go over to Spotify and watch the video of this. Uh, I'm going to eventually put it up on YouTube and it will be on the Patreon also. Uh, So go check out the video because this is a very visual episode here. And if you look at this picture for those listening, it's a shantytown. It's two little wood buildings. Like I I would imagine it says the post office of San Francisco, California. And there's a long lines of people uh, at every entrance. Then we look at, what appears to be, you know, downtown, main, what we almost deem Main Street. And, and what you see here is the lithography and printing building. Right here, you see the hotel. Um, this is the saloon right here. Let's see, what do we have right there? Right there, we have the Burb Grub Hub, I guess. I don't know. It's in the general stores down here. And and so, you know, you're not seeing a lot of advanced civilization, so to speak. This is what you would expect to see in, an, in a mining town, right? At least that's the stereotype we've been told. You have some, some horse and carriage out in front, the wood barrels that we've always seen in, in movies coming on and off ships. And then you have a variety of different people. Not only do you have some uh, what appear to be Mexican right with the colors that they're they're showing you and and the attire the poncho okay a little quaint town of cowboys and carriages the buildings are simple wood structures there's even an alleged 1851 photo of san francisco to support the drawings and that's what this is and this is interesting cuz this almost looks like a uh, a good old mud flood picture because what you have here is you have the the town is built on a hill or at least the main road is built on a hill. All these buildings are level, but the street is just dirt, goes on an angle down in front of them. He says, imagine uh, my surprise to find that in 1877, only 17 years later, 
San Francisco was a city of millions and boasted several grand cathedrals and other massive architecture reminiscent of old Europe. He says you'll find more of them in the link above unless it has mysteriously disappeared by the time you read this article. Okay, so 17 years. Now, remember, we're looking at this, this dirt road, small wood buildings, scattered houses in the background up built up on the hill to 1877. Boom. Now, look at that. That could be downtown, you know, Manhattan in the early 1900s. Look at the size of these cathedrals. One, two, look at these three-story buildings here that don't appear to be made of wood. I mean, this popped up in 15 to 17 years. Now let's see some of the grand cathedrals. Let's see. Um... Nope, we're not going to look at it right now because it's going to take us to like, let me add that to the, uh, and that to the, we'll look at that later list because that's going to be a whole nother rabbit hole of more photos. Okay, so now let's look, 1877. Now we're not only seeing the cathedral, but now look, this has a little Muslim flair to it. Okay, a little Moorish flair to it. We're seeing massive building back here in the backgrounds this is 1877 less than around 20 years from when the gold rush started so in 20 years this was all built according to the narrative look at this this is row after row and and unfortunately because of the quote-unquote technology at the time that you see that you get the white effect as you look back deeper and deeper into the photo it fades out and who knows how long these houses go on for you can't tell i mean this looks like modern san francisco almost if you colorize this photo so what's going on here it's very interesting again this is along the coast along the bay see the ships out in the background but again, heavily, densely populated, large structures. Not simple. We see a cathedral over here. Nice arch. Some of the windows. It's, okay, so this is, wow. The time between 1860 and 1877 must have been a mass scale building project unlike anything in history. Just imagine how these cowboys and pilgrims on horse carriages built massive cathedrals within a shorter time than it takes to build a comparable structures today. With the advanced, with our advanced tech, how do you suppose gigantic granite stones were quarried on wooden carriages? It's especially strange knowing that Americans were Protestant Christians who believed in humble wooden churches, not the grandiose architecture we see here. I snipped uh, them for close-ups. All of this was already built and standing in what Hollywood movies termed the Wild West. I mean, yeah, you look at this again. Look at these spires. This is not something that you just throw up on a whim, especially in the 1870s in a town that isn't, you know, now it has it got gained a million people in less than 20 years. I mean, look at this architecture. Look how high 
that spire goes. That is a massive cathedral. Beautiful. Let's see if we can zoom in a little bit. Let me go in a little. But, yeah, I mean, look at that. Even in the background, guys, look at these buildings. Very interesting. All right, so he goes, something doesn't add up. Who built this huge city that is on par with older European ones? Was it built if, in 1850, there was almost nothing there? According to Wikipedia, this is the timeline of San Francisco. So here we go. Uh, prior to the 1800s, uh, 1776, you have the Presidio of San Francisco and the Mission Fort San Francisco de Assis, established uh, by the colonists from Spain. 1791, the Mission San Francisco de Assis building dedicated. Okay, it doesn't mention any of these things being built, just dedicated. 1847, Yerba Buena named San Francisco. The City Hotel is built. 1848, territory ceded from Mexico to the United States per the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. California gold rush begins. So it's 1848, 1849, the St. Francis Hotel is built. So now we got another hotel, uh, the Boudin Bakery, uh, Olympic Amphitheater, the Union Ironworks in business, the West Indian Benevolent Association established. 1850, April 15th, the city of San Francisco is incorporated. On May 1st, John Geary becomes mayor. And October 29th, San Francisco becomes a part of the U.S. state of California. Okay, this is 18th. So the official version of things, the one taught in school and on Wikipedia, says there's next to nothing until around 1849 when the first hotel was built. The timeline continues, but no mention is of made when the grand buildings were built. How odd, he says. 1851, there's a fire, shockingly, um, in May. Uh, San Francisco Committee of Vigilance is organized, and that's in 1851 also. The Pioneer Race co uh, Course opens. And I found I did find a, an old article um, on that San Francisco Committee of uh, Vigilance. I'm going to look into it a little bit. I think it's a few pages, but... Uh, I've never heard of anything like that. Like these are like vigilantes protecting the city. I mean, 1851, what are you protecting it from? I mean, I guess the nightlife could be pretty rocky, but during the day, all these people should be working, right? All right. 1852, Giardelli is in business. Now that's one to look into. That whole Giardelli, their facilities, everything. The Mercantile Library Association of San Francisco, Sons of the Emerald Isle and San Francisco Turnverin established the golden era newspaper begins publication so 1852 they have a newspaper 1853 you uh they they start an academy of sciences a ymca a rust garden 1854 the san francisco Me mechanics institute is established so we're talking six years after the gold rush starts we're putting in mechanics institutes and ymcas and hebrew Young Men's Literary Association. So we went from mining gold to civilized life in, in five to six years. And all these buildings came up. It's That's an amazing timeline. 1857, the State Convention of Colored People is held in the city. 
1858, the Italian Benevolent Society is organized. 1859, San Francisco Schutzenverein founded. 1860, the Japanese Embassy arrives in March. Uh, the Olympic Club is founded also in 1860, and there's a population in 1860 of about 56,000. Okay, so you have all of these groups and all of these things. Again, remember, after a fire, you still have 55,000 people, but you have all this stuff. 1861, Overland Telegraph Company begins operating New York to San Francisco. You have uh, the Fraternitas Rose Crucis Lodge established. So that sounds like the Rosicrucians. 1861. Let's take a look. Then you have 1862. You have Hilds Business College and Franchise League established. The San Francisco Stock and Bond Exchange was established in 1862. Then you get to 1863. You have the San Francisco and San Jose Railroad begins operating soon. St. Andrew's Society is founded. And this is where the Cliff House is rebuilt. And the Cliff House is another interesting one to look at because that thing is over and over again. So up to 1863 says all kinds of clubs and societies were founded, but no mention of big building projects. Only one building is mentioned. It's the Cliff House. In 1866, Cliff House rebuilt. Hmm, the Cliff House is a massive structure. Why does it say it was rebuilt? When was it first built? I find no mention of that, just that it was rebuilt in 1863. The timeline continues, he says. Uh, you have Charles Brown sues the racially segregated San Francisco streetcar company and wins. Okay, and, and we can go through these, but, um, you know, 1869, you have the California Theater and the San Francisco Yacht Club opens. So, you know... The Grand Hotel is built. More uh, Pacific Railroad lines are coming in. 1870, you have the Golden Gate Park. Um, and the San Francisco Microscopial Society is in the population now in 1870 is about 150,000. Okay, so it's growing. Growing pretty, pretty good. But all this stuff for 150,000 people. That's amazing. San Francisco Art Association, 1871, and St. Luke's Hospital is established. The Bohemian Club and Bar Association of San Francisco is founded in 1872. 1873, we have the Clay Street Hill Railroad begins operating. So you're seeing all these railroads coming into this city. There's something here, right? And they're going, and there's rumors, you know, we remember if we go back to uh, Fomenko, there's rumors of the, you know, Trans-Siberian Railroad that went basically from Russia and China, it is said, all the way through the Siberia, uh, the land bridge up there between Alaska and Russia, and came down all the way down the West Coast, down into Mexico. Um, so it, it it's certainly been mentioned before that there was a massive railroad line. Now, maybe it was this was remnants of that or they just built right over it right after that's what happens and, and people are always question that well what do you mean guys we don't know what's below our feet go check out uh bushwhacking buffalo he does he's doing some great work right now on on a variety of stuff everything he, he touches right now is is gold but he was talking about lahars which are volcanic 
um, after effects that come down and rush like in, in a mud flood like fashion. You have mud floods themselves. You have liquefaction that can take place. So there's all these terraforming events and terra changing events that what could be below our feet, 15 to 20 feet, you know, five to 10 meters. We have no clue what's down there. It could, you know, up here in the Northeast, it's a little bit different, but you know, you, you hear about these giant floods and, and these half buried buildings and things like that. Well, it had to happen somehow. So let's go on. He says, stunningly, the mention of, uh, of building anything between 1863 and 1875 is the grand hotel is built. That's it. Out of all those buildings, remember that picture we showed you with all that landscape, the only thing they mentioned is a hotel and the cliff house. Are historians sure nothing else was built? Like a whole series of cathedrals, towers, stadiums, arches, granite column structures, courthouses, etc. Just another hotel. Um... 1876, you have uh, Pioneer Park. You have the uh, railway c- connects to L.A., uh, the Board of Trade, the Spanish Mutual ben- uh, Benevolent Society. That's always a good one. The Working Man's Party of California is established. So we start seeing, you know, parties is being established. Anti-Chinese sentiment leads to riots against Chinatown and residents and businesses. Oh, Chinatown's already established. Where did they come from? Where were all these Chinese? Were they there before? I mean, these are just questions we have to ask, guys. To assume that no, you know, and, and it is said that the Chinese were instrumental in building the railroads out west. So take that for what it's worth. Do a little research. See what you find. And then between 1875 and 1877, the Baldwin Hotel was built. He says, riddle me this. When was this massive city built that supposedly didn't exist in 1850? This painting is said to be true reality, but it was published in 1860 by a lithographer, Lauren DeRoy. Now, if we look at this picture, I mean, look at these buildings. Yes, you have some wood structures here in the foreground, but then as you go back, these aren't normal windows. You know, look at this. This looks like a Capitol building here in the middle. These buildings aren't normal. Look at this massive cathedral over here. Okay, and you'll see more in the background. Where He makes a valid point. When did all this, who built all this? And why is there no mention of it? If it's such a spectacle. Or was this founded? Was this already here? And we added these wood houses to make it look like, oh, yeah. That don't don't worry about that. We're just that we built that too. The photographs from 1877 prove that this painting is probably a true image of what uh, part of San Francisco really looked like in 1860. The problem: 1860 is only a couple years after the gold rush years, in which San Francisco supposedly looked like a typical cowboy town with wooden huts, a saloon, and a few horse wagons. It's unlikely that a place of such scale was built in less than 10 years unless some unknown power of, or skill was deployed. How did you get from this in the late 1840s? So if we look at this, this is a ship, uh, a scene of from the bay looking inland, and it's just a, a scattering of houses. 
right? There's not even a port really to dock the ships. There's nothing, you know, maybe two dozen structures in 1840. Okay, the ships look bigger in some instances than, than the structures. Okay, and, and he said, yeah, there's the gold rush. The gold rush explains the rapid population increase and how they could afford to build all these structures, but it doesn't explain similar anomalies found in cities around the U.S., cities that had no gold rush, you know, like Chicago. And if San Francisco only really started in the 1850s, then why are, are there many prior references to it? A brief look at the newspaper uh, from the archive of the Library of Congress is revealing. This is from the Southern Telegraph, August 15th, 1838. And it says, there are several ex excellent ports along the coast. San Diego, San Barbara, Monterey, the Bay of San Francisco, and the northern port of Bondago all afford... Um, anchorage for ships of the largest class the port of san francisco is too well known to require much notice in this place the entrance from the sea is 67 fathoms deep and within whole navies might ride in perfectly safe uh, in perfect safety two large rivers which take their rise in mountains two or three hundred miles to the east and run through the country unsurpassed for soil and climate, empty themselves into the harbor. Okay, so they knew about San Francisco. This is 1838. We learned in 1938, San Francisco provided, no, 1838, the anchorage for the ships in the largest classes. Okay? And that it was too well known to require notice. So people knew this was supposedly like world-renowned. And he says, that's amazing for a city that supposedly only started a couple of wooden ships, uh, a couple of wooden sheds in 1849. So in, the story is just not adding up. It's starting to show holes. And he goes, this is from the Madisonian, March 18th, 1842. Official appointments by the uh, president. And what is this? By and with advice and uh, con consent of the Senate consuls. Uh, okay, he says, Thomas Carlisle of New York for the port of San Francisco in California. So these guys, okay. San Francisco was well-established long before the 1850s. Strange. The article above reveals that the U.S. president appointed senators to areas in New Zealand. I must have missed the part where New Zealand was a U.S. state in history class. He may have just been a representative. It doesn't necessarily mean that he was. A senator. Does it say he appointed them senator? By and with the advice and consent of the Senate. No, yeah, that doesn't mean they're senators. It means he got their the approval of the Senate for them to do that, to represent these. A Hawaiian arrival schedule from 1840 shows, okay, he came via San Francisco. So the, this is just more evidence to show that the timeline is not making sense. This is exactly what one would expect of a well-known naval harbor city for it to look the way it looked on the photographs of 1877. It would have been established for hundreds of years. 
If a city is built organically without some unknown high tech, that's how long it would take to grow to a con- Yeah, because think about it. These cities aren't popping up. I mean, even today, major cities just don't pop up overnight in a year. It, it, it organically grows and gradually over time. And the next thing you know, then it becomes the monster of the cities that we have today, like New York and L.A., Chicago. So what's going on? My best guess is that there was a big city here before, just like the other places claimed to have started in the 1800s. The structures of the city were partially destroyed and struck several great fires that San Francisco mysteriously experienced in the late 1800s and an earthquake in 1906. Some structures were repurposed as buildings of the World Exhibition, claimed to be temporary structures. See uh, the previous article on the fake history of Chicago and then torn down after the fair. Alleged structures built for the World Fair, but there are no photos or drawings or reports of any construction going on in the years before. Now, this is from... All right, these appear to be from 1915, but there was also a fair in 1894. Um, which is very interesting, called the Midwinter Exposition. But look at this. I mean, you just have the normal row houses like we were looking at before that are, you know, still massive, big structures. And then in the backgrounds, this old Roman, Spanish, Moorish, it's got a little bit of everything, Greek influence on it. Okay, and then we're going to look at the arch. Very symbolic up top. Where did we also see the arch? Chicago. Right, This looks exactly like the peristyle in the Court of Honor at Chicago. But again, look at the symbolism. These are the keys, guys. The sun. I, I got to dig into this deeper. But these, all of these engravings and carvings have meaning. Now, we're led to believe that this is temporary, okay? This is plaster and wood and paint. But look at the aging on the different levels. You don't get that aging and that color distortion. Now, it could be the photograph, yes. It could be the lighting. But, I mean, look at the statues. They're not even uniform. So, there's a lot of questions about these buildings. just unbelievable towers craftsmanship i mean look at the size these are these are not small and uh i didn't really understand the scope of this either until go check out uh golden gate golden gate starfort commands on instagram and youtube because he has uh he's in the area and he just did did a photo yesterday i believe of him um at the palace of fine arts standing next to one of the pine cones and he's like it's tiny compared to it. it. The scale of these things, the pictures do not do them justice. Okay. So most people are showing images like these. Do not place these buildings in San Francisco. Their first guess is Europe, right? It's the same thing we said with Chicago. It looks like Rome. It looks like Italy. Old, old world. Give it a try. Show someone these images and have them guess which city they are looking at. The reason nobody guesses San Francisco is because the wild, wild west was supposed to have been wild in those days. 
On many maps of the time, the West is shown as the great unknown, the vast emptiness, the terra incognita. Remember that from the episode, right, on the maps and on Tartaria and how you, there was that uh, undefined land, you know, unknown, parts unknown, basically. There's a virtual map shows U.S. population density over 100 years. I screenshot 1843 and got this. So look, they're showing again. This is why the narrative is is kind of hard to believe because, yes, here here's one answer to this. Right, a retort to this would be they don't have the manpower to take a census of anything west of the Mississippi, and at that point they weren't really that interested. It what I mean, 1812 they started pushing out west, but. It wasn't until the late 1800s when they were really interested, okay? And he says, according to fake history, all these lands in the West were nearly unpopulated. Now, I don't think they were unpopulated. I just think that they didn't have a way to get the population as accurately as they wanted to. And he says, one of the reasons I do not believe that San Francisco exhibition buildings are temporary or built only to be torn down after is because they architecturally match other structures in the city that are not part of the fair, but what historians call real buildings. Look at the photo above, for example. Oops, what is going on? Okay, so I guess they're, they're saying, look at this one. I mean, here's the tower on the harbor, okay? They belong to the same culture and style. Following a hunch, I decided to have a closer look at this ferry building. Okay, when you stand in front of the ferry building in San Francisco on the column from the left, you see a plaque that says the building was erected in 1896, Okay, and he says, this film of unknown origin has been circulating on the internet. It appears to show the same plaque saying that the building was erected in 896. Now, I'm with, he says, the video doesn't convince me. The quality isn't good enough to see clearly. And I found no other images showing a close-up of the plaque with the year 896. I didn't find many showing 1896 either, he says. Um, but... I've looked at this video and I, I have a screenshot of it too. And you can see that the AD and the one are there. Either they faded it out in, in the pictures, in the video, you know, whatever it may be, or there's a glare. I mean, we're talking about a video supposedly from the early 1900s. I mean, the quality isn't the best, so... You got to bear with it, but I don't, I'm not buying that whole 896. I've looked at that one too many times and it just doesn't. It, it, now, could they have added that? Yes. But uh, in that video right here, in this video right here, and we can watch it and see if you guys can. We have to mute it because otherwise we'll get dinged by YouTube. So as you get closer, as you get closer, as you get closer. Yeah, you can see right here, there's a letter here, there's another letter here, and there's a one right here, or a J or whatever that I, I don't know. But there are, you can see right here, there are letters there. So it, it does not say erected in 896. 
there is something in between. There's three distinct characters in between. Now, what those three characters are, I cannot speak to that because it's not legible. But I will tell you, it doesn't say erected in 896. That is false. So he says, I began looking for construction photos of the ferry building. I wasted 20 minutes on that. Couldn't find any. Then I looked up the architect of this wonderful structure, Arthur Page Brown. On his Wikipedia page, I, I learned that this architect died the very same year he erected the ferry building. The ferry building is said to have opened in 1898, erected in 1896, and designed by Brown in 1892. But I found no construction photos and no design plans. By the time the ferry building was presented to the world, nobody could ask the architect about it because he had been dead for two years already. The page informs me that he designed a relatively ugly private house in San Francisco and then went on to design the biggest buildings in San Francisco to date. Of course, there are many similar looking buildings around the world, so perhaps he had inspiration from those. I found only one photo of Brown. Amazingly, no other structures than the house and ferry buildings are attributed to him. The supervising architect, Edward R. Swain, on which I found almost nothing. Official history tells us uh, that the old ferry building stood in the same place as the new one was built. There are many photos of the old ferry building from different angles. Okay, so you look at this old ferry boat building, you see the trolleys coming in, people on foot, horse and carriage, as you would expect. Okay, another angle, more looking uh, out towards Alcatraz in the background here, and the harbors over here. Okay, again, trolleys, people, horse and carriage, as you would expect. He says the ferry building apparently stood at the end of Market Street on uh, Ember Ca uh, Cadero Square from 1875 to 1898 when a new building was built. Unfortunately, I also found photos from the same period in which the older ferry building is absent. An example. So he's showing this picture here. There's no ferry building. Now, what ferry building is he talking about? This one with the with the lighthouse and the clock tower. Yeah. Are we seeing examples of ancient photoshopping here? He says, I suspect so. This is San Francisco as it was supposedly was in 1878. Now you look at this and this is not what you would think of San Francisco in 1878. I mean, this is a large city. This is just 30 years and a fire after its founding. The map reveals plenty of structures that look anachronistic, anachronistic and warrant further inspection. But let's say uh, the uh, let's stay with the ferry building for now. A close-up reveals the following structure at the end of Market Street. Okay, so this is the ferry building here. Oops. Where are we? Yeah, right here. Okay, so you look at this horseshoe and you see the big building on the end. All right. All right. So now let's go back to there's obviously some kind of larger building there, but the top of it is barely visible. 
If you look closely at the tip, it looks more like a newer ferry building than an older one. But I'm not yet convinced. Unfortunately, all the pre-1898 photos of Market Street pointing in the direction where the ferry building might be are all whited out. Right, So the ferry building would be somewhere down in here, but you can't see more than a couple blocks down. But again, look at these buildings, guys. This doesn't appear to be just your typical wooden buildings. These are concrete and stone buildings. Granite, in some cases, it appears. This is supposed to be a drawing uh, proposal of the ferry building, but perhaps it's the way the area really looked before. I mean, look at this spectacle. So you have the arch in the middle, and this looks like the peristyle at Chicago, almost to a T, with you know, the where this is where they would have all the statues on top with all the columns underneath on a walkway that people could go around. And of course, what do they have to have in the middle? They have to have their phallic symbol. They have to have a clock tower or, um, you know, if this is old world. Clock tower has multi purposes, right? It could be a conductor. It could be a resonator receiver. There's just so little that we actually know about these structures because they did such an extensive job to damage them, demolish them, and remove them from history. So many structures in both old San Francisco and other cities across the U.S. that remind us of what ancient Rome was supposed to have looked like, nothing, are not like something cowboys with lassos have built. I mean, look at it. This is straight out of Rome. This is your arch. This is you know, what looked like the peristyle in Chicago, they just clipped it and just neutered it. It's a smaller version. This looks like the Capitol. This is City Hall in San Francisco in 1905. Less, less than 50 years, or just over 50 years after San Francisco becomes a city. I mean, this looks like you, this could be any city hall, right? I mean, or, or uh, state capitol building. It's all this Romanesque, uh, that whole era of architecture. This, by the way, is said to be the oldest building in San Francisco, Mission Dolores. It was built in 1782. Whoa, wait, 1782? Yeah, apparently this pillared structure was the only building in the area until the 1850s when the gold rush started. Now look at the size of this Mission Dolores. I mean, this is a massive building. And it's not all wood. This is all up front, unless that's plaster. That that does not look like... That's a huge, huge building. None of this looks anything like Little House on the Prairie, he says jokingly. We have been propagandized to think that the 1800s looked like this. It's absolutely true. These people living on the prairies, out in their huts, just happy-go-lucky. And in reality, it could look something like this. This is the Museum of Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, early 1900s. Look at this. This is a very, I mean, this has more of a Mayan feel. If we're, if we're going to go that route, Egyptian feel with the pyramids and the peak tops and the columns. This is something you would see in, you know, in a Indiana Jones movie. 
That's our museum in the Golden Gate Park. And he says, in conclusion, there is some editing history we uh, as we go along. George Orwell was right when he said that the ruling elite erase, rewrite, and edit history as they see fit. Let's do that again. George Orwell was right when he said that the ruling elite erase, rewrite, and edit history as they see fit. Where have we seen that before? Social media? Right? The news? Everywhere for the last couple years. They write the narrative the way they want. Anyone that goes against it is silenced or banished. It's it's very, very clear. I like the disclaimer he puts on this. This series of articles is not to inspire the feeling that all is pointless because of all is lies. It is to inspire a sense of freedom and liberation from the confines of the mainstream nonsense. And and that's my MO in a nutshell. That's why I'm doing this. I don't want you to feel like that everything is pointless because we've just been lied to our whole lives. No, I want you to realize that it's so pointless. It's all meaningless. All their nonsense. Just let them have at it. But what you've been taught isn't reality. That's what you have to come to grips with. You've been lied to. So here's an interesting one too, okay? So this is, uh, I'm sure some of you have seen this, many have not. And what we're looking at here is the panorama that was done of San Francisco, okay? And that was done in the 1870s. And this is the one where you see a lot of people talking about why are there no people in San Francisco? Where's all the people? Where's the horses? Where's the, you know, the horse piles on the side? Where's any movement, any signs of life? And there's none. And that's what this article goes through. This is a real quick one. Um, But you'll notice here in the background, here's Alcatraz. Now, what I find interesting about this is it looks relatively empty. Now, you look when I was going through pictures earlier, there was a fortress there. And then there was a prison. Who knows? I mean, and again, like with what was said in the previous article, there were photo editing techniques at the time. So there was photo manipulation. On a scale of NASA level, I doubt it, but relatively big, I'm sure. Here's another interesting thing. This came out on September 11th, 2019. Interesting. San Francisco is a ghost town, it says. The story behind Edward Moybridge, spooky panorama. And this guy, I've looked into him a little bit, Moybridge, because he's a creep in himself. Again, much like these guys from the 1800s, they have multiple names, multiple personas, multiple identifications. Why? It's just another part of the the mystery of the history. Okay, so the article says tycoons loved to survey their empires. And in the 1870s, that empire was San Francisco. The city was in a period of ravenous growth fueled by mining discoveries like the 1848 gold rush and Comstock load and the first transcontinental railroad line, a feat that made uh, the men behind the Central Pacific Railroad um, very, very rich. All four soon built ostentatious mansions near each other in the area of San Francisco known as California Street Hill, later Knob Hill. Yeah, a bunch of knobs. A neighborhood that offered soaring views of the city and the bay below. It was a vista that drew pioneering photographer Edward Moybridge 
uh, for a new project, a 360-degree panorama of America's West's great metropolis. A print of Moybridge's photographic panorama is on view at the New York Historical uh, Museum as part of an exhibition, Panoramas, the Big Picture. Uh, and this was in 2019, so you're not going to find it now. Uh, not at least on display. Visitors can linger um, over all 17 feet, 4 inches of it. Scanning the dense cityscape for details like hanging laundry, construction sites, rickety old wooden staircases over San Francisco's famed hills. They can also study the spooky visual effect of early photography. The subtle clash of prints from plates that were exposed at different hours of the day and the apparent absence of any people in the busiest city in California. The grand scale and long exposure time effectively erased anything in motion. Which is suspect, because I've seen both sides of that uh, equation. It's a stunning display that needs to be seen in uh, person to fully appreciate, but how and why was it made in the first place? The answer is almost as fascinating as the work itself. So if you if we look here, this is, I mean, yeah, you don't see a soul. You don't see anything. I mean, you can zoom in. We go out here. And not a person, not a horse, not a nothing. This is just a whole lot of emptiness. Okay, sidewalks are bare, not a shadow, nothing related to human life. See a tower back out here. And look at all this. I mean, this is 1870s. Look at all this construction. Amazing. All the spires on the roofs. Like, what is all this stuff for? I mean, I guess they're lightning rods. But, uh... Very interesting. Three panels from Moybridge's uh, panorama from 1878 showing California Street and Yerba Buena Island in the distance, Grace Cathedral, uh, the San Francisco Stock Exchange, and the Occidental Hotel uh, and Shot Tower in the distance, Pine Street, and the Palace Hotel on Market Street. So I was wrong. That's not Alcatraz. That is uh, Yerba Buena Island, which... Uh, prior to being named San Francisco. That was the name of San Francisco, was Yerba Buena. Uh, so Moybridge is a curious figure in American history. And this is where we get into the shadiness of some of these, these people. Because, uh, okay, he's an Englishman who was born, born Edward Muggeridge. He had a, a peripatetic life i don't know what that means as a young man almost died from a head injury suffered in a stagecoach accident in texas he survived and eventually became a highly skilled landscape photographer of yosemite and other places he was also a bit of a character with an erratic temperament that was likely the result of his brain injury a 2001 article in stanford magazine wrote of moybridge often described as flamboyant or odd he called himself a photographic artist and went uh, by at least five different names during a life packed with adventure, melodrama, and swings of fortune. One of those swings in 1875 was a murder trial in San Francisco after he shot and killed a man who was sleeping with his young wife. He was acquitted on the grounds of justifiable homicide, 
but that's another day and another blog post. You see what I'm saying? This guy, just shady, shady stuff following this guy around. He's best remembered for his now, uh, his motion study photography and technological leaps in camera speed that laid the foundation for film and made him the father of motion pictures. It was an early project in this realm that found him a patron in Leland Stanford, aforementioned railroad magnate, governor of California, and founder of Stanford University. Just so happened to land in his lap, right? Okay, Stanford commissioned Moybridge to uh, photograph his horse in order to prove a theory that when a horse was trotting, there was a point at which all four hooves were simultaneously off the ground. Moybridge was able to take a previously impossible photo that proved Stanford was indeed correct. In 1877, Moybridge ascended on uh, the hill on California Street uh, to the unfinished mansion of Stanford's fellow tycoon Mark Hopkins. There, in the house's observation turret, Moybridge spent a uh, part of a day carefully aligning and moving and realigning his mammoth camera and exposing glass plate negatives to recreate an unobstructed 360-degree view of the city. He repeated this process a year later to even greater effect with 13 separate vertical photographs. Hopkins and Crocker uh, both had panoramic observation towers built into their mansions, and Stanford had a panoramic windows built into his, says New York historical curator Wendy Ikamoto. So the panorama is, in a way, uh, the vision of a commercial king, a vision of monopoly, power, control. And yet Moybridge presents the opposite. The city is empty and desolate, and everything seems still. There are all these strange little interruptions to the sense of omnipotence that you will normally associate with a panorama. While copies of the 1877 panorama were sold to the public, only nine prints of the 1878 panorama were made, one of which now resides in the New York Historical Collection, which you'll see right here. That's that 14 or, yeah, 14 foot, 17 foot, four inches. As Rebecca Solnit uh, notes in her book about Moybridge River of Shadows, San Francisco's geography had drawn its fair share of panorama photographers over the years, but Moybridge's efforts represented the height of the form and metaphorical mic drop on his career as a landscape photographer. Picture Moybridge atop the unfinished turret with its uh, lacy iron railings, the precarious high point in the central city. Picture him standing there with his addled brain, his furtive heart, his boundless ambition, his tangled beard, his incomparable eye, looking out over his own history and looking into the question of what panorama could be, she writes. Afterwards, Moybridge became fully immersed in his motion studies, eventually working at the University of Pennsylvania, where he published thousands of groundbreaking images uh, of animals and people on the move, including himself nude, of course. You can click there and find it out. I'll leave the links in the description for you. If you're really that curious. In 1897, Daniel Parrish, a member of the executive committee at New York Historical, purchased our print of the San Francisco panorama from Moybridge himself. Pleased by the sale, Moybridge wrote to New York Historical Librarian William Kelby with suggestions on how to preserve and mount it. I am glad to have it there. I hope that a far distant future it will be valued more possibly than at its present as a memento of what San Francisco looked like at the end of this present century. It says, from the view of our not so distant future, 
The panorama is indeed a memento. It's in, uh, also an elegy, a fact that it makes it absence uh, of visible people even more poignant in hindsight. In 1906, less than 40 years after it was made, San Francisco suffered a devastating earthquake and fire that killed at least 3,000 residents and destroyed an estimated 80% of the city. The Ozymandias uh, mansions of the railroad barons did not survive. But lucky for us, their view did. So what you start to see is this just wild, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of mystery around this city. Okay. And, and I found some old, old pictures too, but there's going to be a lot of pop-ups. I, I got a lot of these on my hard drive, but just to give you an understanding, I mean, look at this, look at all the mud that was just running down and now has piled here. There's piles of mud in the street. Okay, this is 1877. This is when he, part of his, his auction photo from Moybridge. Okay, look at this. Look at this tremendous dirt pile here in the mid- middle of the city. Let's see. Okay, one more zoom in these ads. But yeah, we're trying to see this because you you look and I mean, I don't know about you, but to me, something's going on here. Something, there's a whole lot of dirt flowing down this way, up here. Just some, it's one of those cities where it's very, very interesting. And, you know, much like I, hinted at with chicago earlier uh it just doesn't seem to make sense you know it doesn't seem to make sense at all the times don't match up and that's what he pointed out in the article i mean we there's pictures from the 1830s of um uh of different you know buildings and stuff in san francisco that you know by definition should not have been there so if we look i mean look right here we look at this one and you'll see you know i mean this is san francisco the oldest photograph of san francisco it says um of 1830 I mean, you got some big structures here. And again, it's a very, very narrow view, but still, uh, there's more there. We have another one from 1830. This is from the Telegraph. Oh, this is what we were reading before, where they were talking about the uh, the different fairs, too. So, I don't know. I mean, we and then... This is them again, the article, but then we can look at if you want to look at some pictures. These are all from his article. So now we'll start. You want to see the 18. This is what they show as the fire from 1851. Okay, now, so now this is kind of a combination. These very do, these look like wood structures, you know, that we're used to seeing. But then you know, what about the other photos that we saw of the 
Yeah, see, now these don't necessarily have to be the wood ones. See some columns here again. And this is the fourth great fire, it says, at San Francisco. And this is 1851. How is this the fourth great fire? Is it the fourth great fire of that day? I, I, I haven't dug into the whole fire aspect of it because there's so many of them. And this is that photo of 18... I mean, look at this. If if there wasn't just... I mean, you would build on this hill like this, I guess. Making life difficult for yourself. But now, guys, I just wanted to show you real quick before we hop off here. We're going to keep this one short today. This midwinter fair. Okay? And this is 1894 in San Francisco. Tell me this doesn't look like a little bit like what went on in 1893 or over in Paris or somewhere else. Look at this. This is the administration building. Okay, nothing to see here. Temporary structure just built for the fair. Built to be destroyed, much like every other structure. I mean, we'll take a look at the courtyard. I mean, it's just breathtaking. And this photo gets to me, and anyone that knows San Francisco well, uh, feel free to chime in and, and share. I'm fascinated by this hill in the background. I don't know. It, it's had my eye. What is this hill in the background? Because I feel like this may be a giant mound. And that these, you know, fairs that we put on, these exhibitions that we put on, are in direct vicinity of some older, very powerful places. Again, just a thought. I'm not making any claims. I would love to know more about this area. But I just, I, like I said, I've never been to San Francisco. I can't tell you anything. And that's why I rely on my my good friend, Casey, uh, who I may even see if he wants to run through some pictures with me on this. Because, I mean, look at these buildings, guys. This, these were built in 1894 for the fair. Okay, you have an agriculture and horticulture building, much like you did in Chicago. Down here, we have a manufacturer and liberal arts building. I mean, these things are massive. Look at the scale compared to people. How long? Where? How long did it take to build these? Where did they get all the materials from? Right, the same old questions I have about the other fairs, I have about this one too. Um. I wanted to see if I could find... Yes, here it is. This is the picture I wanted to show you, my buddy Casey. Okay? Now, look, this is in the Palace of Fine Arts. Okay? So now look at the size of this thing right here. This little statue. Look at the size of him. Okay? Compared to that, looks tiny. Right? So now, let's go back over here. And let's look at what the palace looks like. So in this photograph, if you look at this, it doesn't look that big at all. Now look, this was the object here in the middle that he was standing next to. It looks tiny. It looks like it's maybe three or four feet high. But now if you take into consideration that he only came up to about here, look at the size of this structure. Massive. Look at that. It does it no justice whatsoever. How big 
That is. I mean, shout out to Casey at Golden Golden Gate Star for Command. That's my boy. He's been he's been over in Europe, uh, taking some real old world photos. He's been killing it in California. He went down to uh, New Mexico and Arizona, I think, lately too. Uh, he's got some great YouTube videos and a killer Instagram channel. So go check him out. Um, and yeah, so guys, I have, you know, a couple hundred photos of San Fran. And I think that's what I'll do in the next show. I just wanted to take you through uh, some of the, the photos. But, you know, there's just something about this place that has always irked me. And then the fact that we have a Chicago World's Fair there, right? So here's some different photos from uh, uh, San Francisco before and after and how things have changed and it's, it's been manipulated. Why? Why the need to destroy and change modernize? And I, I laugh because I look at these older buildings that they build for these fairs and, and we didn't even touch on the 1915 fair, which is, you know, we'll get there. Don't don't worry. That's a, a whole different animal. But even looking at, you know, the just looking at a simple mechanical arts building. OK, we'll take this, for example. This is for 1894. Now, even if this is made of plaster and wood, why would you not keep this? The, there was no other use for this building whatsoever afterwards, after it was done. We had to destroy it. Because if you anyone knows anything about plaster and wood, you buy an old house and it doesn't have sheetrock, it has plaster. Good luck taking that out because it is a bitch. It is hard work taking that. It does not come down easy. And explains why they lit most of them on fire. Because it was a lot easier just to burn it, demo it, than it would be to work with it. Upgrade it. So... That's it, guys. Fake history, San Francisco. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I've never been out there. Uh, but it's one of those cities that fascinates me, much like Chicago and Buffalo, Omaha, Nebraska. That's another one that's always been interesting to me. We look at the World Fair sites. Were these sites chosen? Why were these sites populated out of all the areas in the country? Why were these cities populated when the country started? You have to wonder that because that may be the first clue is that, okay, are we covering the old world? Are we going to cover the old cities first? We'll populate them and then we'll have these world fairs. We'll bring in a little, we'll give them a little education and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. But when you look at these things, what they did, you know, and you can compare them to the Olympics, I guess. I mean, that would be the closest comparison these days would be to an Olympics where you build up this massive infrastructure and you use it for a couple weeks, a couple months. And then some countries reuse it. Some countries just let it go back into nature and get swallowed back up. And you can have that explanation, but you don't go through that for this. To make a couple bucks. That's all this was for? To make a couple bucks? I find that hard to believe. So with that, that's going to be a wrap here. A nice short episode for you all. We will keep digging in the old world. I got more on 
uh, the fraud that is H.H. Bancroft, the man who wrote most of the Western history. I'm on a little bit of a California kick, as you can tell right now. Um, so I'd like to see if maybe I can get with uh, get with Casey and we can talk some California old world because uh, there's a lot going on there, man. Ma in that old history, San Francisco, San Diego, you go up to Northern California, you know, you look at the old maps where California was an island, there's something going on there. And it's, it's, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. So, Hey, you want to, you want to help the show out? You can go join the Patreon, great deception podcast. Uh, You can go to the merch store. Links are in the description below. Grab a t-shirt, grab a tumbler, grab a mug. Um, if there's not stuff on there, there isn't something on there. You want something added to the store? Let me know. Shoot me a DM. I'll work on it. See what we can do for you. Um, and then other than that, guys, not a whole lot. Like, share, please it means a lot to me to get the word out there. We're trying to get as many ears on this as possible. Get the discussions going again. Let's talk about this stuff. Don't let them get away with it over and over again. With that said, it's a wrap. San Francisco fake history. Let me know what you think. Stay strong and question everything. chairman of the board of the union broadcasting systems and he died at 11 o'clock this morning of a heart condition and woe is us we're in a lot of trouble so a rich little man with white hair died what has that got to do with the price of rice right and why is that woe to us because you people and 62 million other Americans are listening to me right now because less than 3% of you people read books. Because less than 15% of you read newspapers. Because the only truth you know is what you get over this tube. Right now, there is a whole, an entire generation that never knew anything that didn't come out of this tube. This tube is the gospel, the ultimate revelation. This tube can make or break presidents, popes, prime ministers. This tube is the most awesome goddamn force in the whole godless world. And woe is us if it ever falls into the hands of the wrong people. And that's why woe is us that Edward George Ruddy died. Because this company is now in the hands of CCA, the Communication Corporation of America. There's a new chairman of the board, a man called Frank Hackett, sitting in Mr. Ruddy's office on the 20th floor. And when the 12th largest company in the world controls the most awesome goddamn propaganda force in the whole godless world, who knows what shit will be peddled for truth on this network. So you listen to me. Listen to me. Television is not the truth. Television is a goddamn amusement park. 
Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom-killing business. So if you want the truth, go to God. Go to your gurus. Go to yourselves. Because that's the only place you're ever going to find any real truth. But man, you're never going to get any truth from us. We'll tell you anything you want to hear. We lie like hell. We'll tell you that uh, Kojak always gets the killer and that nobody ever gets cancer in Archie Bunker's house. And no matter how much trouble the hero is in, don't worry, just look at your watch. At the end of the hour, he's going to win. We'll tell you any shit you want to hear. We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You ate like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off.